Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I am having so much fun doing my podcast and I am meeting some of the most incredible people I have ever met, honestly. Um, Today I'm meeting with Vera Lee from Australia. So Vera Lee is, she's an ordinary woman who has harnessed the power of creative energy and a powerful determination to overcome immense adversity in her own life, including several disabilities, chronic illness, multiple near-death experiences, and surviving domestic violence and sexual assault. Vera Lee discovered her unique artistic abilities as a form of communication through her recovery, where she was unable to find words to verbalize her trauma. Years later, her voice disappeared again due to life-saving treatment to keep her airway open by paralyzing her vocal cords. And again, she used her artwork as a form of communication and healing energy. Vera Lee is here today to share about the Why Me movement and the Why Me podcast and how she now uses her artwork to inspire creative exploration, healing, and personal growth in others. This is amazing. Welcome Vera Lee to the show. How are you today? Thank you so much, Nelia. It is an honor and a pleasure to be on your podcast, and I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. I wish the audience could see you because you've got this beautiful smile coming through the screen. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here, and um, I think your your story and your life journey is really going to help, you know, and impact the people that are listening, and that's what the show's about. It's about having someone out there think maybe a different way or open their minds to the way that they're thinking or how they're feeling and help them understand and face some of the things that not only that they go through but a lot of us humans go through right absolutely yeah thank you for being courageous and brave enough and and to trust me with your story and I'd love to hear a little bit more about you yeah, definitely. Look, it's it's an interesting thing in this world that a lot of us go through adversity, a lot of us go through events and things that happen to us. And although no one person is going to go through exactly the circumstances and everything that's happened to you, but what what we do discover when we start listening to other people's stories is that we're not alone in the experiences themselves in in the trauma in you know all these things that can happen to our world essentially and 
it is something that I believe all of us go through at one point in our life is feeling alone and feeling like we might not be understood with what we're going through. And so I started sharing my story at the time in my life when I had struggled to find the words to talk about what had happened to me and inspiring other women simply by talking and before I could talk, creating artwork that was doing the talking for me, allowed me to see that not only did I actually belong to a tribe of strangers that I'd never met who understood me and what I'd gone through, that I had this amazing impact in simply sharing what I'd gone through as well because so many women out there and men as well later on in my story um, but when I was talking specifically about the sexual assault within my marriage as a woman, so many women had gone through that experience and not known that it is unfortunately a very common occurrence. Right. It's, you know, I, I've said this before on my show, but it's so true. Like I, I wanted to um, find a group, like you call it a tribe, right? So I love that word for it wanted to find a group that I related to. So um, as scared as I was, um, I went and joined like a CBT, sort of like an anxiety, cognitive mm -hmm. behavioral therapy for those who don't know what it is. Um, Very useful. <laughs> yes. And I was terrified, but so was everybody else. So I remember walking mm -hmm. through that door and I'm like, how am I going to talk about my life with a bunch of strangers? But as soon as I walked in, and I could see their faces. I'm just like, oh my God, these are my people. Like, even if we just sat there in silence, but the comfort, it's like you find these strangers that put their arms around you, you know? Oh, so I, yes. Yeah. And without even talk, it's just so strange, you know? I never, I never experienced that before. Mm. So for you to, to hear you say that, it's like, I've been there. Like, mm. it's such an incredible feeling. It really is. Oh, it is. And the thing that really struck me and why I call it a tribe is because we as people have become very used to living within our own little boxes of houses. And then we go to our work, which is essentially a bigger box. And there may be people there that we get to, you know, relate to and interact with, but there may not be as well. You might be someone who sits in an office, which is another smaller box within a bigger box. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> we're living I in do, this I very do. contained life. Yeah. With no land. <laughs> that's right. And like, for example, my office at work doesn't even have a window. So, you know, mm. I'm, I'm in like this, this room. So it, it's very easy in our lives these days to end up feeling isolated when something then happens because the world seems to be closing in around you and you think, you know what, I don't know my neighbours that well. I don't know other people in my community. So how can I reach out when this massive thing has just happened to me? I'm really traumatised by it. I don't know really fully what's going on. So for me, when I'd gone through the domestic violence, when I had my first traumatic sexual assault within that marriage, I didn't understand what was going on. I was very naive. This was my first person I'd even ever had sex with, you know, like mm -hmm. I was one of these, not, I wasn't a sheltered kid. I just was a kid that actually wasn't interested in any of that stuff. I played mm -hmm. sport all my life. That was my focus. And then when I finally got to a point where I met somebody 
and I wasn't in the best mental state at the time, <laughs> which sort of explained why I did what I did. But, you know, that that's what happened. And I ended up in this marriage that I thought I loved this man. And in a way I did. Then when that happened, I didn't understand all the nuances of all the manipulation and everything that mm. had led up to that point. And so when that event broke me physically, it felt like it broke me mentally and emotionally as well at the time. And so when you're in that state, it's very difficult to reach out. It's very difficult to talk about what's happened because essentially you're trying to process that yourself. This is a shock, you know, realizing that this is what's going on. You're like, oh my gosh, is that really what's happening here? Like this doesn't feel right, but he's telling me, you know, this, this, and this is what just the way it is and, and that I'm crazy and all these things. And, and you're like, man, I am so confused right now and I'm hurting and I just don't know how to even start telling myself what just happened, little less other people. And so if you're not really connected to your tribe of people, if you don't know that there's other people out there, and for me, it was strangers. It was me saying, you know what, I had finally left my husband. I had finally decided that I needed to go and get some professional help and advice and go, look, I just feel so wrong about all this. It's ruining my life. It's ruining myself as a person. I'm not the person I used to be anymore. I want to know how to get over this and get back to being me and reaching out and, and being in a group of, I think there were 15 of us. Um, but I commend you for, I commend you for even realizing that you needed it and reaching out because a lot of the times people don't. That's right. A lot of the times people don't. And if you have a close knit tribe of people around you, they will check in on you and they will build that trust. And so then you feel like you can share, oh, look, this really shitty thing just happened to me, you know, and they're there for you. And, and like I said, sometimes those strangers are the people you need as well, because you need to know that there's professional help out there. You need to know that even somebody you don't know very well might be the best person for you to tell, because then you don't feel like you're going to hurt them emotionally. Like mm. my parents, for example, were devastated to hear about a lot of the stuff that happened to me. And I drip fed them. I didn't, I couldn't give it to them all at once. You're trying to protect so them. Devastating. Mm -hmm. Correct. You know, um, so there's a level of that as well. So for me, a tribe includes so many people that you have the opportunity to interact with if you can recognize that yourself. And if we go back to many, many, many years ago, we all lived in tribes. Mm. This is what we did. We didn't live the way we do these days. And so that is why I use the word tribe and I love it. I embrace it. And I think it is so important for, for everything. And just to throw in there, we are in the middle of a pandemic. For me, I've extended my tribe worldwide by doing exactly what we're doing now, which is jumping on Zoom across the world and being able to connect to people. And for me, I, f I actually physically feel that energy even mm -hmm. through a Zoom call. Yes, I do too. Like I feel closer with, with so many of my the people that come on my show than I do with people sometimes on my own my own street, people that I see every day. And sometimes... 
sometimes it's hard to you know in one way it's hard to explain that but in another way i'm like no you get it like i don't need to explain it to you because you get it right but um it's a beautiful (laughs) it's a beautiful feeling and it's like even sometimes like if i i don't like confrontation but if i'm going to confront something you know somebody about something and i try to Mm. ease into it or i try to um what's the word like be gentle because I don't want Mm. certain things to happen so when you have a trauma I haven't been Mm. through what you've been through so I'm not going to even pretend to to know that you know say that I understand it because I don't and I'm Mm. so sorry that you had to go through that but the part that you said about talking to a stranger I find that when I do have to confess something or I'm going through something difficult and I talk to a friend or somebody I know or like your parents, for example, you worry so much about hurting them that you're not authentic with what you so they don't help you. You don't actually help like you're trying to ease into something for them to protect them that you actually don't receive any help. You know, yes, like because it's so hard to tell mm-hmm. them what what is actually going on and the yeah. level of how it's affected you. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, people love you and they're around you, you know, and they want to help yeah. you, but you do sometimes need to, you know, sometimes it's just if you've been through something, that's who you need to talk to. So yeah, I'm glad that absolutely. you found that community. That's yeah, and I will note that those strangers do not stay strangers very mm. long. No, <laughs> not very long. Is... No, there is a special bond you develop with people who either are going through or have gone through something similar in that they understand that place where you're at. And that's, that is what it's about, understanding the place where you're at. And a lot of those feelings of being alone are underpinned by feelings of believing that no one will understand or believe you. And once you find people that not only believe you they understand and as you said sometimes that can be something that you know simply buying in a close space with that person and feeling that energy it is one of the most powerful feelings I've ever experienced and interestingly once I became open to that I found that that was happening everywhere in my life and connections were um, more non-verbal than they were verbal, which was how I, I discovered what I do with my artwork as well. Oh, that's beautiful. It's like this underlying trust. You don't need to, it's like you don't even think somebody's going to double cross you. You just know they're going to hold that in, in a place, just like you will for them, right? So, yeah, we yeah. talked about the feeling of loneliness before when we were chatting, but I feel like when somebody feels alone, that's one thing I really want to eradicate because I've had people around my life that have always tried to include me, have always, you know, loved me. I've, I've been very fortunate to have a great family and friends and, but I still would go into a room full of people and feel completely alone, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's very, very common. And if you're alone, there's no movement. You have no hope. You have no, you know, you just can't go anywhere from there, you know? So if we could just help even strangers connect strangers together, if, if you don't feel alone, then there's movement, there's possibilities, there's, there's something to look forward to. There's something else you feel better about yourself. It's just like this vicious, you know, this ripple effect, right? So that's huge. You know, for me, the fact that is like through this whole Corona 
all like there was a section in the middle where we had all these people dying and all these things and all i could think Mm -hmm. about honestly it kept me up nights and nights were the people that were dying alone the people who were suffering Mm -hmm. who have lost someone but they are alone the fact that you can't get solace from somebody else all these things this heaviness of being alone you know and we Mm -hmm. all can connect with strangers we all can and and like you said, the power of when people come together, how much it really changes mm-hmm. you. It's like you can overcome yeah. anything if you have somebody in your corner. You really can. Like it's yes. it's difficult. You know, it's difficult to overcome things, but to do them alone, it's impossible. It really is, it takes so much longer. It's just it's sad for me. Like it really breaks my heart, you know. Yeah, it's a very complex place as well to be and there is so much underlying and surrounding it It, it's it's not just loneliness itself there's so much more to it and it's like well why what has brought you to that moment of feeling alone why is it that because I'm the same I have a beautiful loving family I have so many beautiful loving friends and yet at the time that I was going through the darkest point in my life I didn't know how to express that to them and I felt like I couldn't it was almost like I was letting them down to know that I'd put myself in this situation or this stuff had happened. I didn't know how to deal with it. It had taken me so long to talk about it. And I just didn't know how to even start with the people that I knew. And that was why finding strangers and counsellors and psychologists that could understand a lot more of what helped me to go through what was behind it, that that then helped me to start talking and expressing it with my family. And I will always have one tiny little bit of regret about one thing, and it is to do with talking to my family because I found it so difficult to express a lot of the traumas and I explicitly created a piece of artwork in felt as part of this group that I was with who was run by an amazing art therapist and I didn't even know it was art therapy at the time we were just doing artwork you know (laughs) and working through things but um, felt is an incredible experience because for women who have been through domestic violence um, even if we take the sexual assault out of it for a minute with felt you have this beautiful pure wool that has been dyed different colors and you mix it with water and detergent or soap and you sort of mash it all up together and then you have to pound it and throw it and basically work it and for somebody who has been so trapped in their life and not allowed to express anger and not allowed to express all these emotions can you imagine like just being let loose throwing like having this room full of women screaming Mm. and throwing felt around and bashing it through and being encouraged yeah Yeah, wow being encouraged to do it it is such a powerful release and i'm getting goosebumps me too i just thinking of it yeah it's like a warrior dance it's like yeah absolutely and and i'm glad that you use the word warrior because i'm constantly talking about connecting to your inner warrior and that was what that process was it was you know what we and, and again this relates back to the word tribe right So it's like we are going to be warriors because we already are. We have survived this and now we're connecting together. And what's more powerful than one warrior? Many, 
many warriors on the same path you know collectively we are a tribe we can overcome and so that that was the process and so with this felt work you know you work it and work it and then you start moving it on a piece of fabric or whatever you're going to put this felt on and then you roll it up so you try and create what you want and then you know that once you roll it up and you start mashing it and kneading it it's going to it's going to move it's going to change yes and this, is, this is such a good it is and it's such a good reflection this is what we do when we go through trauma recovery we think we start somewhere we think we're going to end up there and in fact there's all this mess and mashing up and and stuff that happens in the middle and we eventually get to an end goal but it's never what we thought it would be it is way better but when we're in that state we don't know that and so out came these felt pieces and it was a seven piece um series that i created and um in that it was essentially little because I'm a professional photographer as well and so you know I have this visual brain so it was essentially seven snapshots of the different phases of meeting my husband feeling trapped being sexually assaulted etc now because at this point I still hadn't verbalized what had happened to me I wrote because it is felt and it's a little bit abstract so you can't exactly tell what it is without a little explanation and I couldn't verbally explain still at that point so here I was writing the words on there you know trap domestic violence and then I wrote the word sodomy mm. and unfortunately I did not prepare my parents for when we had the opening exhibition to see that and my mum was there with my dad and my sister and my mum, bless her heart, she had to ask my sister what that word meant. And the devastation, I'm getting upset because, you know, I spent so much of, of that time trying to protect them. And then I went and did that, which was like such a massive warrior mo moment for me. And then I realised in that moment, oh no, I I needed to have had that conversation with my parents before they um, were at that exhibition so you know there are things in life that we still fumble through we still make mess but in hindsight I can't change that but what it did do is it did open up my ability to then start talking and I started writing a lot and then I started actually using my voice and for that particular moment for that particular rape I always explain to people two things happened to me at that point in time. I was with this man who I thought loved me and who I thought I loved him. And in a, in a naive way, I did. And I loved the concept of being married and having romance. When that particular incident occurred, I had been through with my illnesses and disabilities in my life. I'd been through a lot of pain. I had an extremely high pain tolerance. That man split my half, my whole person in half. With the level of pain of that moment, I cannot explain to you what that feels like. I hope that people do not experience it, but unfortunately so many people do. And it not only took my voice away, but I stopped breathing. I couldn't breathe for that time when it was happening. And it took me days before I would come out of my room to even 
contemplate anything bar lying in bed crying you know and trying to understand what had just happened and trying to recover and the physical ramifications of that kept going for a very long time in fact that some of them still do so this was a life-changing moment for me and so then discovering through this group that I was part of discovering through creating artwork that was then giving this incident a voice and then finding my writing voice and then finding that I could actually verbalize what had happened monumentous process to get to that point and it felt like I finally had gotten in touch with my inner warrior of who I knew I'd always had been in there and yet she just needed the space and the and the time to be noticed wow that's an amazing story Uh, going back to what you said about your mom I understand how you feel that now and and you said that you had regretted that but we do what we we can in the moment we can't you know, nothing's going to change that moment for you. And I'm sure she doesn't, you're harder on yourself than she, she will ever be, you know? So I just have spoken to her about it. Yeah. I just want you to know that, but it's almost like through all these different forms of therapy, like you found what worked for you because different things work for Mm -hmm. different people. It's not like one. So it's almost like, I feel like when you were talking, like when you were in that room and, and you couldn't come out, it was like, not just shock and disbelief and how do you even start to process everything, Mm. but it's almost like releasing an inner scream, like an animalistic, like you want Mm -hmm. to just have a place where like, I've felt this before when I had a miscarriage, like you, you go, you know, I found a parking lot and I just screamed and I'm like, what was that? And you don't even realize. And it was like this animal sound coming out of me. Yes. And it's just echo. But until you have that moment, it's like you're suffocating. Like you were physically Mm -hmm. suffocating, Mm -hmm. you know, and that how scary that must have felt for you. Like I have felt in my Mm -hmm. life where I can't catch my breath or I feel like I can't like for 10 years, I didn't exhale after when I was Mm. grieving my dad, I just couldn't exhale. Like physically was Mm. holding in my breath. That's what it felt like. But to feel like you can't actually like breathe, Mm. like I cannot imagine the fear that you must have gone through. So I'm really sorry about that. How um, scary. And I'm sorry to hear about your experience too, but I, I'm not sorry to hear that you went and did that. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a parking lot. It doesn't matter where it is. We were often told to go and take a pillow, go out in the backyard and scream into it because then we didn't have to worry about upsetting whoever was there in our house or our neighbours. We could scream as loud as we wanted. No one was really going to hear or know, but it was allowing us to release. And it's that release that is so important. And, you know, there's, for me, I, I was born an asthmatic and I had, I had what we called asthma and I say it like that because it developed and changed significantly later in my life and I understand the intense link between physical trauma emotional trauma and how that then manifests in many other either worsenings of conditions you already have or new conditions that get created as a result 
and I've spent a lot of the last 18 years working through a lot of that. Um, but I was born an asthmatic. It became very severe um, throughout that marriage and then afterwards. I also was born with something called vocal cord dysfunction. However, that was not diagnosed until um, it would now be around eight years ago. So I was in my late 30s before that was diagnosed. Now, that is, um, and, and the asthma is a combination of a condition called eosinophilia, which is a blood disorder. And it turns out that those two conditions were actually caused by this blood disorder. And that's why no matter what treatment I got, I was still suffering to a degree. So I'm very used to struggling to breathe as um, I was actually an elite athlete and I played tennis all around Australia and at a national level. And yet here I was someone who um, really couldn't breathe properly and couldn't go for a run like everybody else. I, I would always be left behind with the squad. And I mean, can you imagine what that, even just that there does to you as a kid, knowing that you're always left behind. It's like, well, hang on a minute. I'm trying my darndest. I'm here in tears because I'm trying so hard. And yet I'm always the last one. You know, as a kid, you don't understand that. And in fact, nobody really understood. And and I'm thankful that my coach, who was also my father, he, he was an amazing tennis coach for so many people. And he trained people that, you know, became um, world tennis champions. So I was very blessed to have him as my coach. And he recognized very early on that I was physically limited. We thought initially, well, you know, it's just a fitness thing. But I was training three times as hard and still not getting the results that other people seemed to be able to effortlessly achieve. And so we had to develop a whole different way of playing tennis. And I became an awesome serve and volley player. And we developed these really exceptionally level strengths of me being a serve and volley. I love that. But I had to fail. Yeah, but I had to fail repeatedly and repeatedly. Oh, I'm sure. But you didn't quit. Like didn't quit and that's the thing you know i i've always been the sort of person that i think when it's almost a blessing when you're born with certain things because you just accept and my whole life i've gotten to the point where everything that's come my way and there's been so much more that we won't have time to get into today but all the adversity everything that's happened in my life and and my close friends that have known me since primary school they're like Vera, i i mean seriously your life is like a book three times over because I've never heard of anyone that's had to go through all these things and everything just keeps happening to you. And I'm always like, yeah, I know. And they're like, but you just accept it and you go on. And I said, well, I do because what other choice is there? I have a choice with everything about how I'm going to respond. And I can have a choice to fall down in my hole and not climb back out. Or I can have a choice to go, you know what? This won't defeat me. I have one chance on earth and this is my life. And I'm going to make the best of every moment that I can. And so my inner warrior was very practiced. She was very well versed in how to help me get through things. And yet when you are very low in oxygen and you are struggling to breathe, it is something where mindfulness and mental training comes into a whole different level of its own. And if I can share, um, there was a book that my father gave me when I was 10 years old 
Now, most kids at 10 years old wouldn't even know how to start to read a book like this, but I was very blessed that academically um, I'd been reading quite adult books for some time. And so he gave me this book and it was called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. It is often referred to as the first self-improvement, um, self-development book. And he was the first person to term the coin self-image. This book taught me how to harness my inner warrior. It taught me how to practice mindfulness before that was a term. It taught me so much about my life. And my father recognized the struggles I was going through. He recognized that I was being bullied from just about every place you could think of because I was always the sort of girl that being creative, I thought differently. Everything was always from a different perspective. People didn't always get my humor. In fact, they usually didn't. People didn't always get the angle that I was coming from. And yet I would come up with the goods. I'd come up with the results because of that. And as an adult, you know, we get to that point where we realize we actually. That's the celebrate. best part of you now, right? Exactly. That's right. We celebrate that. Um, and yet it's not always the case growing up. And so he recognized that I was struggling and he had read the book and it had helped him immensely. What a great so, gift from your dad. Oh, it was amazing. Mm, and beautiful. I bought that book a couple of years ago because it had been lost in the multitude of moves we'd had since then. So I bought the book and about, it'd be about uh, three months ago now, I picked it up. I'd had, it had been sitting in my house for five years. I still hadn't managed to get to it. And I'm looking at this book. I'm like, okay, I'm grabbing it. I'm reading it. I'd love and to read it. And the first page. Oh, it is. I'd recommend everybody read it. It's a, it's a brilliant book. I'll, I'll give you the link, Nelia. Mm -hmm. um, so I just open up a random page, which is what I do with every new book. I don't start at the start. I open up a random page. And here's this random page about creativity. And if you can just give me one second, I will actually grab it. It's funny because when I get a new book, I always start with like the dedicated to, like, I don't want to miss one word. So when I get a new book, it's like, I have to like, don't skip one word. Like, I don't think I could go in the middle, but now I'll have to try that. Oh, you'll have to try it. And we were talking beforehand, of course, and this is about the process. And, and the process is something that I refer to a lot in that through my artwork, through my life's trauma recovery, I have learned that it's about the process of how you go through rather than the end result. And that is so important. So in reading this book, I open up this, this page and it hits me all at once that I've basically been a disciple of this book. And because it was, I was 10 years old when I read it, I didn't remember a lot of what I'd read and yet I'd integrated so much of it into my personality and it explained why I'm so ready to accept and work through and, and apply that process to get to where I need to get to. And so this is where I, I opened up. Creative imagination is not something reserved for the poets, the philosophers, the inventors. It enters into our every act. Imagination sets the goal picture that our automatic mechanism works on. We act or fail to act not because of will, as is so commonly believed, but because of imagination. And before I read the next quote, which was the one that really hit home for me, at this time I was launching a challenge about being creative and helping artists to find their inspiration. 
And for me, with every trauma I've gone through, I, and if I talk specifically about the sexual assaults, I became very good at disassociating. Now, disassociating itself is not a good thing, but it is a safety mechanism. However, because of all my years of training and visualization training, and this applies so much for, for anyone who's been an athlete and plays a sport, to learn how to visualize yourself doing something before you can actually get there, before you have the skills, it helps you to reach that level faster. It helps to cement in your mental mind a picture or a video of exactly how you want to have that end result. And so for me, I have spent my life thinking in images, thinking in pictures, and this is the way that I was always different, but now I embrace. And in trusting that process and trusting myself to know that the way that I think and the way that I am is right for me was such an important thing to realize. So the quote that I loved and that just hit me like a ton of bricks, human beings always act and feel and perform in accordance to what they imagine to be true about themselves and their environment and that quote just summed up just summed up everything it was like yep I can relate that to every type of trauma I can relate that to every recovery process I can relate that to every sport moment it's always a choice which part of this am I going to focus on am I going to focus on the hurt or am I going to focus on how that hurt changed me and how I can help to change myself back to where I want to be I love you know, that. So quote. it's not a yeah, it's not about discounting what happened. It's about it becoming an experience you learn from and integrate into who you are. That's so lovely. Like I definitely have to read that. And when you were reading it, I also felt like and believe the parts of the story that other people think you are that you know are correct and get rid mm. of the rest of it. I don't know if I'm saying it properly, but don't ever change who mm. you are because of what other people think you are. Yes, yes. And another vi vital lesson in my, in my life, I've learned that lesson many times. And it's a lesson I will continue to learn because life will continue to throw adversity. It's not over yet. And it doesn't, <laughs> it's not over yet. And it doesn't matter the level of adversity, you know, like I, I talk like about this a lot on my own podcast. Some people get on there and they're like, oh my gosh, like you've been through so much. And, and like what I've been through is nothing in comparison. And I always say to everybody, it's not about comparison. What it is, is even if you have a particular type of adversity that happened to you, you know, at different times in your life, you will feel differently. Even if it was the exact same thing, you would feel differently at each time in your life because of where you are at that moment. And I'm talking about where you are mentally, emotionally, physically. So it's, it's not about levels of adversity. It's just about a moment that has made you change. It's a moment that has made you pause and go, what? Okay, how do I deal with this? And you, you can know? either learn um, from it or you can sit in yeah. it and just always be sitting in it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so hard to know you know, and you might try a few things and, and it's not the right thing that'll help you, yes. but you just have to yes. get up and try again, you know, and if you can't do it, ask yes. for help. 
because sometimes yes. the journey feels like, oh, I just can't do it, you know, and sometimes yes. just and being we all feel open. That. Yeah, being open to the yeah. first step. I think that that's the hardest step to take. Yeah, it definitely is. And and another thing is you need a safe space. And this is something I haven't said yet, but you need that safe space because when you've been through a difficult situation, when you are faced with a challenge, sometimes there is that period of where you're in shock a little bit. So you actually need to give yourself time to process what's going on. Sometimes you don't get that time. Sometimes it's an emergency thing that you have to just act on autopilot and you don't process until after. Whatever that point of time is where your body is wanting to process what's gone on, you need that safe space. It, it is important to have somebody somewhere that you can reach out to so that if it all feels too much, you can get that support. That is really, really vital. For me, it came in many different forms. I did CBT, you know, I was seeing a psychologist. I was doing this art therapy. I was doing so much more myself. Um, so there was, a, there was a lot of different avenues that I got what I needed from. But a lot of people have difficulty with the emotion of being in the present moment. It's a tree traumatizing sometimes. It can be, yes. And and that's where, for me, being able to use my imagination to being able to apply visualisation. And, and I've actually launched a, a visualisation series for people because meditation, the word meditation, a lot of people have a preconceived idea or someone's told them, well, it needs to be like this. And I am very aware of, of helping people realise meditation is about being in that present moment and it's okay if thoughts are coming in that's actually normal it's about acknowledging them letting them go and having something else to focus on that allows your body and your mind to be in the now and that if you can do that you get further clarity about where you're going in your life who you are and, and all the other benefits of it um, but meditation itself does not have to be sitting down or lying down in a, a quiet room with your eyes closed it can be I, I used to feel in a meditative state when i was swimming as a kid um, i used to feel it when i'm on the tennis. in fact every time i think of playing tennis there's something called a sweet spot when you when the ball hits the racket strings in exactly the right spot it's called the sweet spot because you almost don't feel it, but it, it is a feeling, but it's a very different feeling to when you don't quite hit the sweet spot. And for me, tennis was about the sweet spot. It was always, every time I got that sweet spot, I was like, oh, it was like a, almost like a love, you know, you're like, oh, that, that endorphin feeling, like it's incredible and you just seek it. And, and so, you know, I was essentially getting that type of meditation when I was in the groove of playing tennis when I was in the groove of swimming when I was in the groove of doing my artwork so for me meditation is often an actual very physical thing that I do um, because it's a state of mind right and it's not like you said letting your letting your thoughts come and watching them and not mm. rejecting them and just letting them happen mm. yeah yeah, yeah, different people meditate in so many different ways. It's it's what it it's different for everybody. You just have to 
find out and you have to explore, I think. And and try it. Don't knock it till you try it, right? I do a lot of mindful eating. So, you know, so like I try to have lunch where opposite time of everybody else. Like, so Mm -hmm. no, honestly, so that I'm just taking in and it's not the fact that it's food. It's just the taking in of, I don't know, just everything seems so much more heightened, right? When you give yourself that space. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if I can share another moment that I went through, which this relates to very much, um, was I had a a life-saving treatment. This was actually the second time that I lost my voice. The first time I lost my voice, it was almost metaphorical in that I just, I could still speak. I just couldn't speak about what had happened. This time I actually physically lost my voice for over a two-year period. So I went... um, I got my diagnosis for vocal cord dysfunction, was told that it was one of the most severe forms that they'd ever seen. My specialist who was actually heading the research worldwide said, wow, Vera, I I actually don't know how you're even standing up and talking to me because you have almost no airway. And so I got this diagnosis. We we were um, going through some clinical trials and the trial was to use Botox to be injected into one of my vocal cords to paralyze it, to keep my airway open. So it was less than 24 hours later that my vocal cord had reacted to that procedure, swollen up so much. Now remember that it was already almost a closed airway. So it swelled up so much and I still had severe asthma at the time as well. So with asthma, my lungs would have trouble expelling the air with the vocal cord dysfunction it was actually my airway was collapsing as I breathed in so I was sort of suffocating both ways and we were about half an hour away from our hometown um, hospital and my dad just sort of looked at me now because my vocal cord had been paralyzed my voice hadn't completely gone at that point but it was almost on its way out I sort of had this really light whisper and he sort of looked at me and he'd been checking on me the whole way and I was like, uh-uh. and he realized, he's like, oh no. So he starts speeding to try and get to the hospital. By the time I got there, I was in such a state physically. My only way that I could get through that was to be inside my head, to be internally visualizing because not only was I blue, I was dying and I could feel it my body was starting to shut down and there was nothing that anyone could do about it. And so doctors are running around trying to work out how to save me, trying to get an anaesthetist to put me in a coma, to try and fly me down because we're talking about a rural town hospital. They weren't equipped to deal with this level of what I needed. They didn't have an ICU that could cope with where I was at physically. And So I had to completely go inward and basically use my whole life's training in how to summon my inner warrior to fight for me physically while I did that mental fight and had to keep myself present, keep myself in every single moment and be able to focus on trying to get every breath in and every breath out because breathing was not one synonymous thing for me. It was trying to get a breath in 
and then trying to get it back out. And that moment could have been the end of it all and it would have. It, it is one of my darker moments in my life only because I knew that I was dying and I could feel it inside my body. And yet, just before I ran into because I was so in touch with who I was at that point and so in the moment that I just had this unspeaking knowing that my inner warrior, she was going to take care of me while I mentally wasn't there. And for those days when I was in the coma, I wasn't there. People have lots of different experiences in a coma. Um, some people see all sorts of wonderful and weird and wacky things. For me, I, it just it just didn't happen. Like I literally wasn't there. And and I am a person of faith, and I I believe that I was taken somewhere else for that period, for that trauma going on, and that she fought for me in that physical space. And then when I came back into being in that existence there physically and woke up from the coma that no one believed I'd survive my, my family being asked to say their goodbyes, you know. Um, yeah. I say to people that uh, I still get upset about it, obviously. Um, but I say to people that, you know, after I woke up from that and it was a few days recovery there and then I was transferred back to the hospital where I'd had the procedure and on that ambulance ride, the sky had never looked so blue. Mm. Hence the, the blue that you see behind me. Mm. Um, the, the trees, you know, like the green had never looked so green. And the warmth of the sun had never felt so comforting. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a very powerful moment. Yeah. And in fact, you know, it's interesting because, and I actually, I don't mind crying because I've, I've learned through all my life and all the adversity, all the trauma recovery, that crying is actually an important way to release emotion. And I'm going to laugh here because <laughs> we've both got tissues and, <laughs> and I actually have a photo way before we even start this interview of both of us with our tissue box. <laughs> um, but but I yeah, I, I can't imagine, like... <laughs> The fact that you can recall how that felt in your body and how horrific yeah. and how yeah. scary, how terrified yeah. you must have felt. I just, ugh. Yeah, it, it is right there. It's always right there. It's always in my unconscious um, and it's often in my subconscious and it sometimes comes to my conscious when I allow it. And the thing is, I never want to lose that connection to it because it was a massive turning point in my life. And that was when the Why Me movement was actually conceptualized. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I wrote my first book when I um, spent a couple more days, weeks, I can't remember, at the hospital recovering and then they let me go home. And I recovered in my parents' house and I spent three days. I couldn't yet walk properly, so I sat in a chair. I couldn't hold my camera, so I put it on a tripod. And I spent three days soaking up the sun, soaking, soaking up her garden and taking photographs of her garden and I produced this book called The Beauty of Motherhood and I dedicated it to my mum mm. and um, and I read the dedication to her when I 
printed the first copy and she just bawled and said, oh, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. I'm like, well, you know, you're my mum, you deserve it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that was the first book I wrote and that came out of this ugly mess, you know, and, and here I was right in the middle of recovering and I still found a way to do that. And that is what I do. And that is what I teach people. And that is what I then learned sharing these stories is what inspires other people. Because although no one went through my exact situation, there are millions of people out there who've gone through something similar. And so again, to know that you're not alone and to know that somebody understands what that feeling is like is so important to help inspire people that there is hope and that we can change what a story i'm just i talk a lot but i'm i'm speechless because <laughs> i just i'm feeling so much right now as you're you're telling your story and yeah it's just um it's incredible the things sometimes that we go through in life and how we we find a way to see the other side because we're meant to help other people and that's what you're here doing yeah. like that is your legacy like that is who, what you're about you know it's horrible that this happened yeah. to you but it, yeah. it defines like part of your you know your like your purpose now like it's just Mm -hmm. it's yes, so inspiring yes, it, de it, it defines my purpose it doesn't define my identity and that was something that I learned along this process in that I have my own identity and I'm very close to who that is now which was really Yay! important um, go Viralee yeah, <laughs> that's it and this funny story because we were briefly talking about my name earlier I, I was born Viralee with a hyphen um, and yet I stopped using that name just before I hit teenagehood because in Australia we don't tend to have names like that. And so I was like, oh, that sounds childish. I want to be Vera. I only happened February this year. That um, I'm like, no, I I'm embracing every part of me, including my Vera yes. name because it is a beautiful name. <laughs> yes, it is. And, I love yes. it. So you launched your podcast September the 25th. It's called Why Me with Vera Lee. Correct. And perfect, perfect name, perfect visuals. Now I see the connection yeah. between your colors and your story. When you said that, oh, yeah. like I'm going to start again. Like I just can't, I can't <laughs> handle these things, okay? Like I just, <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, what, um, what, whoa, I can just. I can't imagine because I wasn't in that situation. So I hate when people say that to mm. me because you don't know, you know, don't mm. pretend, you know, cause you don't know, but the way you tell the story, it's like, I can feel yeah. the yeah. warmth and the colors and, oh, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, this is about me embracing that process of, of the creative process and the artist in my, myself in that that's as, this is why I talk that way because people don't need to connect to what actually happened to me. They need to connect to the emotion of it because that is what we all have in common, right? That it's, it's that side of it. And so when you can understand the feeling, then you know what it feels like. 
because we're talking about a feeling we're not talking about that exact situation and that that is what the why me movement is all about it's about having those moments where and I've had so many of them in my life why is this happening to me and instead understanding who you are and how who you are allows you to get through those moments and how when you then share them with other people instead of it being a woe is me on the victim side of the story it is I am the warrior who got through this and you can too. I love that. And yeah, you know, sometimes people try to hide their emotions, but I, that's the best part of being alive. That's the best part of being human is sharing these human interactions and sharing these things. Should we always live in, you know, the horrible things that happen to us? No, of course not. But the feeling of overcoming the feeling of, of being a survivor and being on the other side, you should relive that feeling mm-hmm. because it's like nothing else. And that's what connects, yeah. you know, one person to the next, to the next. And, you know, yeah. like you're in Australia yeah. and I'm in Canada yeah. and I feel yeah. like you're, you're, you're the girl next door, you know, like, yeah, that's it's amazing. It. Yeah. I'm so glad I to have met too. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, and, and this is the thing. This is what I'm finding through my podcast because Technically, the podcast part of it, I had I had actually um, approached the local radio station many years ago, and the timing just wasn't going to work within my job and everything else. And so, I'd always had an idea I was going to do a podcast, but I didn't know I was how I was going to do it or what it was going to be about. And when I started the Wyme movement, you know, when COVID started, essentially it was around March, April that I decided to actually make all this public and really go at it. Um, It just seemed natural to do the podcast as well. And doing all the interviews that I've done so far, and I can tell you that everybody I have spoken to, we have felt that connection and everybody has been quite a distance, whether they're in Australia and in another state or across different countries in the world, we've all felt this connection conversing in this format and I think when you share things that are so close to your heart there is that natural energy and that that energy transcends physical space it is something that we can tap into our own experiences of having felt similar sensations and so that that is one of the benefits of living in today's society i mean we spoke before about living in our boxes and and essentially a little isolated version of our life here and then someone else having the same next to us but it's it's their own little box isolation version of what their life is and you know what this does is it breaks down those boxes it opens them up and it says hey i'm here i may be on the other side of the world however I can relate to you with this. I can still connect with you. And it's a magical thing. And some of the things that my guests have shared, again, they've brought me to tears during the interviews. And I feel so honoured to bring each of their stories to light. And my tagline when I started my business many, many, many years ago was always that everyone has a story if you're willing to listen. And I truly believe that. And this is like my full circle moment having this podcast series because 
everything I've gone through. Yes, I've got my own story. However, the podcast is not actually about me. The podcast is about everybody else that I'm bringing. That's why I'm so glad you're here because we need to hear your story as well. Like, yeah, thank you. Incredible. Wow. You are incredible. (laughs) Just, and you know, and you talk about those boxes and I really feel more and more and more people are ready to get out of those boxes. They just don't want to, they're afraid to admit it, you know, like you go to some countries and you're like, hi, how are you? You know, and people look at you like, uh, why are you talking to me? And then you go to other places around the world and they're like, well, why aren't you saying hi? You know? It's just yeah. like, oh, you know, like the world is yeah. such a confusing place sometimes. But I think yeah. more and more, because I've spoken to so many people in the last few months, more and more and more, I see how alike we are and how yes. we all want the same things and how we all want to just have, you know, have people in our corner and have, you know, be able to learn from things that have happened to us and just be there for each other so that we can laugh, but genuinely just laugh and relax and carry on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is something again, that I talk to a lot of people. I know there's a few friends that I've invited to come onto my podcast who don't feel that they're ready yet because they feel like there's an expectation. There's an assumption that they're, you know, a public speaker or whatever it might be. And I reassure each of them that I wouldn't ask them if I didn't feel that they were ready. And that all we're doing is having a conversation. And once you realize that every interaction you have with somebody else, if you speak from your heart in a conversation, there's nothing to fear. Yeah, I thought I was going to be nervous doing the podcast because I'm quite introverted. But you forget Mm -hmm. you're doing it because you're so involved Mm -hmm. in what the person is telling you and they're pouring your heart out to them. And you feel honored because they're trusting you with their story. And half the time I forget I'm recording, you know, and I'm just I'm just honestly like so engulfed in what you're telling me that I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got to speak now or something, you know, I'm just so (laughs) interested and so genuinely like in the moment with you that yeah it's not about you know yeah it's not about public speaking it's so different than that it's just an intimate conversation that you wish people could hear sitting at home when they really need to hear it because a podcast saved Mm. me you know we were talking about Mm. that and Mm. how I there was a moment I felt so alone and I had heard somebody on the other end of that that speaker you know, without yeah. seeing their face, without knowing how old they yeah. were, without, and I was like, yeah. wow, there's one other person in this world that feels yeah. exactly like me. It was yeah. so powerful. Yeah, and, well, it is powerful, and something that I think in the online world, it is quite natural as humans to f- become a little disconnected to the human voice so much is text now so um, books different because books is a is a story you're reading but normal conversation has changed so much from picking up the phone and speaking to someone and instead we just text or we message on facebook or whatever platform you. it using. removes the feeling and it does and the human voice is very powerful it has a resonance of its own 
and it is so important um, in comfort, particularly in times where you are struggling, in my belief, to be able to hear a human voice. And sometimes it doesn't even need to be about what you're going through. It Sometimes it's good to have it to be completely unrelated. But simply being able to hear a voice, and particularly if that voice is very calming, it is something that allows you that space to be in that moment. And I mean, think anyone who's had a child uh, struggling to go to sleep, what do you do? You usually sing, even if you're a poor singer, it doesn't matter because it's not about whether you're a good singer or not it's about them hearing your voice and getting the comfort from it and so often now I go to sleep listening to podcasts so I'll set my sleep timer for 30 minutes and I do if the I'm same still awake thing. after 30 minutes I'll do it again yeah yeah and you know this this is this is a, such a powerful platform for so many different reasons is there anything we didn't talk about that you really want to talk about I mean we could go on forever um is there anything that you know, you can say to the audience listening when they do feel alone, what's the one thing perhaps that they can do to take that step to seek help or to take that step to find a community? Yeah, it's it's about doing it safely. Um, safely for if, let's just say they're in a domestic violence situation or something, it's, it's about working out a way to do that safely. But um, let's assume that that is past and... and somebody needs to reach out i really do believe that if you've got access to the internet google some professional organizations um, there are many helplines available again it's better if you can hear a human voice particularly in those moments so it's it's about knowing what's available in your community and if you don't know google it Google is a brilliant tool these days. Most people have access to some form of internet that they can do that to get a helpline phone number to ring and actually hear a human voice on the other end. Someone who is trained to not make you feel worse in the moment and not even focus on what you're going through, but to focus on how to help you to get through it. And from there, you can be put into contact with other organizations like the trauma recovery group that I was part of. And, and once you gain that trust, um, then it also helps to reach out to other people that are more within your inner circle. Um, if you have that transparency with your inner circle, reach out to them first because they're the people that know you the best. Yeah. And I always say to the people that are listening uh, on certain interviews that I do that even if this isn't you and this isn't your story, be the person that people can go to, you know, yeah. be the person on the other end who will listen, who will be that safe place for somebody. You know, if you're listening and you're on the other side and perhaps you know somebody, you know, just ask, ask how you can be of help. Don't assume you know, ask, what do you yeah. need from me? And what you were saying about the internet, sometimes you're in that shock moment, like what you explained, that yeah. you can't leave your room or you can't leave the house and you're yeah. paralyzed. And the internet is something at your hand that you don't have to yeah. step outside of your house if you're not ready. You don't have to. It It's something yeah. that we're so lucky that we have. Let's use it for good. You yeah. know, let's use it to help each other. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is this is how I sort of fell into doing a lot of what I do in that 
I was in that place. I, I did get to a point where I reached out. I realized I needed help. I got reconnected to so much more than I expected. I reconnected to the part of myself that had been an artist all my life, but I hadn't really embraced it. In learning who I was um, and in learning what I do now, because for my clients now, I actually create artworks based on that connection, based on that energy. Love it. And <laughs> about their defining moment. Yeah. And so oh, your you know, when they poured their heart out to me, oh, thank you. You shared some of your um, photographs but, I mean, with me. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this, this is what it's about, you know, and, and I realized the power in that. I realized that I can actually provide that for people, that they can have this piece of artwork that is about them, for them, no, nobody else, it doesn't go anywhere else, it is just for them, to remind them of the empowerment of that moment. And that's what it's about. It's about integrating those experiences that have occurred, integrating the learning into who you are, and that at that moment, you made a choice, that defining moment in your life, you made a choice to do something about where you wanted to go and who you wanted to be. And so, you know, I, again, I say I just sort of fell into these things, but I think that's the way life works. When you realize what your purpose is, when you get clarity and when you listen to what people are telling you and you can connect into that energy, not only your own, but connecting to someone else's energy, that is so powerful. And the fact that I can visually represent that and provide that to someone to have for the rest of their life, to look at every day and go, yeah, that's why me, that's, you know, this is why that happened. That's exactly right. And I'm going to be the best version of myself today. You know, it's, it's just that daily visual reminder. Yeah. Cause sometimes yeah. when you lose trust in those moments that things are done to you, they're not who you are. There are things that are done to yeah. you, right? Yeah. That, yeah. Just having that small bit of trust that if I carry on and I and I open up and I reach out and all these things, hopefully, you know, trust that things will happen. And then through the art, through find your media, maybe it's not art, maybe it's writing, maybe it's music, maybe it's boxing. Yeah. You know, maybe it's going into a parking lot and screaming at the top of your lungs. Whatever yeah. works, yeah. it works. It's not no right yeah. or wrong, you know. Just don't suppress, just don't keep it in. That is more dangerous than anything. Embrace who you are because who you are is worthy and important. I love the accent too, <laughs> but you're lovely. <laughs> uh, thank you. You are too. Nice. <laughs> but we will definitely, yeah. um, you know, put all these links in because I want to, you know, I want people to see your book and some of your art and learn more about you. And it's incredible. I think you could help mm. people in so many different aspects and, you know, for your podcast. Mm. And it's amazing. Thank you so much for, for everything, for being such a warrior and being your authentic self and just, wow, what a survivor, but you're so much more than that. You really are. That's part of you. Like you said, it doesn't define you. And I'm yeah, so glad yeah. to have you on here today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I'll be looking forward to having you on my show. Oh, would love to. <laughs> would love to. Thank you, really. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Yeah, that was great. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. 
If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.